Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, joined today by a guest we've really been waiting to have on for a while, Sigmund Bloom of FootballGuys.com, the premium fantasy football prediction site. Sigmund, how are you doing? 
Great. You know, it's the NFL season. We're on the conveyor belt. Uh, the, the calendar key pushes us forward. Of course, those of us that do work in football, this is a short week, but uh, it's a Raven Steelers week, at least as of this moment. And that's something I wanted to commemorate by coming on your great show and really digging into this game. Well, thanks, Sigmund. That's a, a love having you. Know your foe episode for the Steelers you're doing. It's the second of the season, so we won't have all the stuff about the draft and whatnot. But we do want to talk to the personnel, the yeah. season they've had, that sort of stuff. And we'll we'll get right to it here. So Steelers obviously at 10-0 and right now. Uh, had a wonderful first game with the Steelers. Actually got to go to the game. Felt very privileged, you know, in a very small crowd in Baltimore. And those are the only fans that uh, from the general public who've gotten to go this year. Yeah, and it was a terrific game, uh, and a game, I think, where, you know, similarly last year, it's easy to forget that uh, when the Steelers didn't have Ben Roethlisberger, they took uh, the Ravens to overtime in Pittsburgh, and I think that they have found a way to put Lamar Jackson on his heels mentally, and sometimes literally, before the rest of the league did, um, and maybe their own way that tailors to their strengths. And because of that, they were able to eke out the win. But I don't wouldn't necessarily say they were the better team on the field in that game. Uh, yes, in the in the last game we're talking about, that's I would pretty much agree with that <laughs> directly. <laughs> so, okay, well, let's, let's talk about the Steelers because that's what the show's sure. about. So let's review the season to date and uh, kind of take us through the milestones for this for this Pittsburgh team so far and getting to ten and zero. Yeah, you know, the schedule was on their side early, um, you know, games against the NFC least and um, Denver and Houston at home. You know, they treated Cleveland like the little brother that they are and always have been the way that, you know, these teams relate to each other. And then they got into the meat of the schedule and there was the game against Tennessee, which really came down to the end, the game against the Ravens that came down to the last play, the game against Dallas, which wasn't supposed to come down to the last play uh but still somehow did uh and then they're tuning back up with these games against cincinnati and jacksonville and actually not playing down to the level of their opponent like they did against dallas uh and you know alternatively they play up to the level of their opponent like they did in that game without roethlisberger last year so right now just like every other team it's a a marathon through a minefield a war of attrition and the steelers have had some injuries that they could use as excuses. But when you're 10-0, you're not making excuses. You're talking about how you were able to do it. And, uh, you know, I think that Ben Roethlisberger staying healthy. Obviously, Chase Claypool is a massive, massive part of the story of how this season came together and the offensive identity that they've uh, been able to adopt or maybe even go back to uh, with Claypool and the three wide receivers. Uh, And then on defense, I think it's just, they did lose Devin Bush, but keeping these key pieces healthy up front, especially Stephon Tewitt, Cameron Hayward's been a little bit banged up. You know, they really set the tone. Um, And uh, Robert Spillane has just been a revelation. I think he was originally a Titans practice squad player and he stepped in and he's really made some iconic plays for this team already, including that pick six to get things started in the first matchup. So, you know, the next man up mentality, uh, but the defense really hasn't had any key injuries outside of Devin Bush and Spillane has really covered up for that one. That's very fortunate in a year like this. Obviously, a lot of teams not only having uh, problems with COVID, which there's plenty of that going around and it's in and it's out and all kinds of facilities. Right. And and also, you know, the injuries are are the normal amount. And then they have the opt-outs on top of that, which have really reduced depth if you have to go to the street when you have an injury. So an injury is much worse 
or mm-hmm. COVID is much worse than it has been in past years. And that's particularly true on the offense and defensive lines where there are, I think, something like 19 players opted out the beginning of the season. That is a non-trivial reduction in street depth league-wide, as you know, as a fantasy expert in terms right. of who you pick up next. So uh, anyway, I, I want to talk about the long-run cap situation. Mm-hmm. I, I did, of course, talk about this on the first show, but uh, Steelers have a fairly tight amount of cap space going into this next year. I think one of the things that is assumed generally by Steelers fans and by NFL fans is that Ben Roethlisberger will get extended, if for no other reason to, than for a significant cap reduction, but also because he's having a hell of a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've, every now and then it's Ben Roethlisberger. So if anything is not feeling right with Ben Roethlisberger, you, the viewer at home, will know. You know, he'll flex. <laughs> he'll he'll flex his arm a little bit. You know, he'll he'll flap it. Or, but thankfully, the elbow surgery has taken, and yeah, he's comfortable with his new arm, so to speak. And I think you're right that it's kind of like I'm down, living down here in New Orleans. And as long as Drew Brees wants to be the quarterback for the Saints. He's going to be the quarterback for the Saints. I think it's a similar situation with Ben Roethlisberger. But otherwise, really their big move for 2021 was already made when they extended uh, Cameron Hayward. And mm-hmm. you, you start to look at the numbers, again, that key number being what the cap is going to be next year. Some you, The teams will be lucky if it stays level. It may go down with uh, the revenue losses this year. And I, I think that you basically have to pencil in that guys like Juju Smith-Schuster – James Connor, you know, they're Bud gone. Dupree. Mike Hilton, gone. I mean, uh, Bud Dupree, Dupree's gone. I mean, I just don't, I don't see how they can do it at this point. And the Dupree to, uh, is one that's, there is nobody they're developing. Alex Highsmith, they did draft this year. He did have that nice play, the interception in the first matchup on the halftime adjustment. Uh, so that's the hope, I guess, that Highsmith is really ready to go. I just don't see how they could. They definitely can't franchise him again. I don't see how they're going to be able to pay him because he hasn't dropped off. He hasn't shown that he's not worth that long-term commitment, uh, playing a lot better against the run in the last few years. And you're seeing him making impact plays in most every game. Pass rush is so coveted. So really, if the Steelers do bring anybody back from, and it's a large free agent group, um, you know, maybe it's like consolation prizes like um, Cameron Sutton instead of Mike Hilton. You know, uh, Zach Banner, maybe who went down, they did mm-hmm. lose him uh, at right tackle. You know, maybe that allows them to bring him back. He's kind of an emblematic player, a fan favorite. So they might be able to get cheaper deals with some of these more uh, supporting cast players. But obviously, they're going to have to replace. I think Connor and, and Juju are not necessarily difficult players to envision how they'll replace them. I'm not really sure how much value Connor was adding, at least until last week, and running back a fungible position. And yes, know, they'll they'll be able to figure that out. Um, I, I I do think that you're right to really focus on Dupree as a player that they're going to have to figure out how to create pressure or how to take some of the attention off of TJ Watt without Bud Dupree because they balance each other out so well. Yeah, so uh, all kinds of great names in there, and uh, obviously that's a that's a lot of the Steelers. What we think of when we think about the Steelers, when we think of of Bud Dupree uh, now, and and what he brings, the, the iconic moment for Dupree and the Ravens to me. And I want to talk about Zach Banner for a second too. But yeah. for Dupree, was in that Christmas 2016 game. I think he's the one. I had been a big proponent of the Ravens not scoring too early there. In fact. On the third and one, when Juszczyk scored to put the Ravens up 27-24, I had wished that they'd gone into the huddle or, or sent into the huddle that had he broken through Neil at the one. <laughs> 
And, and, and it's never done in the NFL, sure. but it was one of those times where the Ravens had been cut to shreds by Roethlisberger and the, and the offense. And they, you know, had given up two consecutive drives for touchdowns that were 15 yards per play. And there's no reason to believe they could have stopped them in, in a minute and 18, you know, certainly from a field goal. And I thought, you know, if you, if you cut the clock to 30 seconds, you reduce the Steelers' chances terrifically. Well, anyway, uh, I, I put together a mathematical model that would kind of indicate that. No one wants to hear it. <laughs> right, right. That's right. what I learned about this. It just makes you hate – the other people hate you more to have a model like that. <laughs> uh, but Bud Dupree actually did something really smart on that play. Juszczyk broke through and it looked like he was going down and Dupree like kind of held up from touching him as if he was going to let him go to the end zone. So the the word was out in the Steelers defensive line that they wanted to let the Ravens score. Yeah, and I think we're seeing little by little coaches get a little bit better with the idea of what a the clock is worth compared mm-hmm. to points or, or compared to timeouts or compared to plays. I know we've seen coaches, you know, going back to Bill Belichick doing it first, then Mike Vrabel doing it to him, you know, using penalties yes. to milk the clock. And, you know, that's the, and, and, and we shouldn't begrudge Bill Belichick and that's the know your foe. Like that's the common foe, right? Uh, that like we, we became, sorry, we became Patriots fans a couple nights ago. <laughs> uh, anyway, we, 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 we won't admit it um, because the, the Steelers and Ravens kind of like the, the Spider-Man meme where you know there's there's some similarities in the the spirit of the fan base and the team and what the teams value. Where in some ways, if if you couldn't root for the team you root for, if there wasn't so much of the historical rivalry, you'd root for the other team. But I, I think it is fun to see how that game theory is getting in, and I think some of the newer head coaches are going to incorporate it more. Um, and and I, I think that you know I, I love that in the Steelers Ravens rivalry, you, you can name a player and automatically it brings up a whole file of moments because that's it's the crucible and it brings out the best in these players and i think that it also is a game that stands alone from whatever happened at the end of the season those games still those outcomes matter to those players Yes, very, very much so. It's a whole bunch of plays. Lamar Woodley is is he won't be forgotten to Steelers fans, but right. to, to Ravens fans, uh, O'Neill Cousins had kind of one mm-hmm. of the signature horrible offensive line games I've ever scored against Lamar Woodley, and I always used to you know call it a Kazinzian game at right tackle. Since we've seen worse, by the way. So, <laughs> so it's, it's too bad. Anyway, he uh, Lamar Woodley did it to him. Uh, the other the other point I want to make was about Zach Banner. You mentioned him earlier yeah. that that he came in as a sixth offensive lineman. I think ten times. I believe it was in the second game. I believe it was in mm-hmm. the in the finale. And the Steelers rushed the ball very effectively with him as a sixth offensive lineman. Obviously, massive man, but uh, but they they obviously had it schemed up well as well to use who he was to move around him. Yeah, and then he played up to the starting right tackle in mm-hmm. a, a sort of three or four way competition they had involving multiple positions in camp this year. And uh, you know, it was tell just, us how that went. So Filer moved inside as part of that. Yeah, and you know, it was a situation where they were just going to see what combination was going to work the best as they were looking to you know. Uh, and now we've ended up with a core four in at uh, at right tackle, and also. Uh, also, some of the things they've had to deal with this year include uh, Dave DeCastro being banged up. You know, he hasn't been the same. So, yeah, I think that what they had really were was one more player than uh, positions, and they lost B.J. Finney in free agency to Seattle. And depending on, you know, if Banner was going to fit in as a natural right tackle, that could allow Filer to move to guard. If not, they had Filer as a backup plan at guard and a core for as he is developing. Um, so it was actually a, a wonderful development that 
Banner won the job outright. And I think like I think he's a team favorite and a fan favorite. And uh, it was just it was one of those, you know, for every team, there's a list of two or three players. You know, there's two or three players you'd say not him for the tactical value of the player. And then mm-hmm. there's two or three players that are just the the heart of the team. And Zach Banner was one of those guys. So it was something the team has overcome. And again, we're not making excuses because they're 10 and 0. It's things they've overcome so far. All right. All right. Uh, in terms of key injuries, you mentioned Devin Bush. Has been anybody yeah. really lost on the offense? Well, and not lost. You know, David DeCastro is not himself, but mm-hmm. he he's missed a little bit of time and he's come back. And it, it has been, uh, you know, relative Deontay Johnson. And he wasn't a factor in the first game. So that's going to be one of those X factors of things that could change, because even though he played, I think he was on the sidelines early in that game. It's been highly productive since then. So you know, little bumps in the road here and there. But the offense has been good. And again, with with Devin Bush, um, you just never could have dreamed that Robert Spillane would end up being the kind of player that he's been. And then even. Uh, further down, well, I mean, Mike Hilton is an important player, very important player for this. It's, I think it's a player. He's one of those players that maybe folks around the league, more casual fans, don't know, but they will. They call him the slot linebacker, mm-hmm. and uh, I think when we look back at that first game and how well the Ravens ran the ball, uh, Hilton was out. I think Tyson Alulu played six snaps in that game or something like that. He's very important up front. Also, he ties up blockers and really allows to it and Hayward to have these individual matchups that they can win. So uh, I think that having those two players back could hopefully change the complexion of the Steelers run defense, because that was a, a big weakness in the first matchup. Well, too, it certainly dominated the right guard in that game, whoever it was. And uh, I think it's, it was actually Phillips for 14 snaps, I believe, at the beginning, and then he got replaced. But uh, everybody did not look good against Tuit in that game. He had a big game. Uh, let's talk about Roethlisberger for a minute again sure. um, in terms of of what's different about his game this year. Anything in terms of of him throwing the ball not as, not off, as often as deep or anything different about Ben otherwise? Not really. He's actually in his comfort zone. And in some ways, as this team has not necessarily abandoned the run, but they're a finesse offensive line at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're not a bunch of maulers. They're not winning in the trenches to just wear down the opponent. And even in the game last week against the, the Jags, I should say last week yesterday, um, they passed the ball about twice as often as they ran the ball. And uh, I do think one thing that could change that this week is the return of Vance McDonald. So now you have your better blocking tight end to go along with Eric Ebron, who can create the mismatches in the passing game. And uh, But I think what we've really seen is a return for Roethlisberger back to just, you know, sit back there and, and take his shots. And because of the uh, addition of Chase Claypool and what he can do on the uh, – you know, working the sidelines downfield. And also Chase Claypool has added a lot in synchronicity with Roethlisberger on those 10 yard outs on those third down routes that Antonio Brown used to run mm-hmm. so well. So just seeing that from a rookie, seeing that synchronicity, he just looks very comfortable back there right now. And the game is in his hands, which I think is how it has often been in this rivalry, how it's often been uh, for Roethlisberger since really the second or third year of his career. And uh, I, that's where he wants to be. That's where the team wants to be right now. And when the offense did get going in the second ga- in the first game against the Ravens, that was the mode that worked. 
when I when I think of Ben Roethlisberger, and here's the change I've noted: he 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 was a established secondary pocket quarterback for many many years, and Antonio Brown, Santonio Holmes, all of those players were great play extenders around him that would be able to find space, and not just by the regular NFL rules of you go to the right sideline at three levels and nearest guy goes closest and this and that, but that they were they could make space anywhere downfield and right. communicate with Ben in whatever way they had to make those big plays happen uh ravens fell victim to that obviously a number of times when they did not drop roethlisberger on the first opportunity a sack or you know just knocking him out of the pocket or, or flushing him from the pocket was not enough including which is rare for a right-handed quarterback flushing him to the right here's what was different about it in the first game this year the ravens lined up um were very shallow at cornerback and their fourth cornerback was terrell bonds steelers came back after halftime they said we're gonna we're gonna play 01 and 10 personnel it was mostly yeah. 01 with Ebron and four wide receivers, and they went after Patrick Queen, and they went after the fourth cornerback. And they got a they got a pass interference penalty, and I think three receptions off Terrell Bonds in that second half. But they did that all through their two long scoring drives in the second half. Uh, so it really, it really, to me, that was the turning point. What also was different about Ben is a much shorter time to release than he's ever had in his career so far. Yeah, I think that you're seeing it almost back to the days that Todd Haley was the offensive coordinator, where he's more willing, especially with Deontay Johnson getting open uh, so frequently early in the play. Like you said, he's not holding on to the balls long because you see like the game against the Jags when he did try one time at the end of the first half to play gunslinger and move around and try to make something happen. He threw a terrible interception that was returned about 50 yards. It would have been like perfect with the Steelers Jaguars history uh, a rivalry that would have been returned for a touchdown because it was a play with like 10 seconds left in the half. My <laughs> point is that he, I think he understands his limitations at this point. And I think that because of how well the wide receivers are playing, and you're absolutely right to point out that set when they go empty with uh, Eric Ebron and what kind of matchups that can create that they can then focus in on. And Roethlisberger has been able to bring that, uh, where you know, it was obviously a glaring absence last year. Yeah, the Ravens, of course, missing a lot of players since that first game, but this that was the last game the Ravens did not have Yannick Ngakwe. So it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting matchup there to try and get some additional pass rush. But to me, the Steelers running fearlessly, and I mean fearlessly from an empty set, mm -hmm. is might as well slap us in the face <laughs> in terms of what it, what it is to be a defensive fan of the Ravens. Anyway, uh, you, you've mentioned a little bit about what they are in terms of a finesse line. Take us through player yep. by player on the offensive line and, and where they are right now. Yeah, and again, you know, and here's the good news. No sacks in the last three games. Now it was Dallas, Cincinnati, wow. and Jacksonville. But no sacks in the last three games. The running game had bogged down. Um, I, I want to say they opened more creases against Jacksonville, but really it was more that James Conner was doing more to break tackles, and lewd tackles, and, and create. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you've got now Okorafor, who's more of a – pass blocking project that they probably played earlier than they wanted to because of the injury to banner um you got filer moving in to guard of course uh you still have marquis pouncey who maybe isn't what he used to be but is still a, a cornerstone of that line uh and then david de castro who is playing had played uh, through that injury will miss some time and then coming back from the injury he's not as athletic as you're used to seeing, you know, you're just not seeing quite the same results as before, which is maybe part of the reason that the uh, running game is struggling. Alejandro Villanueva at left tackle, who I think is one of the free agents next year. And 
earlier in his career, he was playing at his peak. You started to see him fall off. And I think with the Steelers last year, there was that question, too, of Mike Munchak. What would the offensive line look like after Mike Munchak moved on to Denver? Sean Serrett, who was kind of his understudy apprentice, taking over. And the offensive line, again, going back to these last three games, has really started to gel as a pass blocking unit. Um, so you know, we'll see if that's something that becomes a problem as we get deeper into the season. And maybe it's not as easy playing all those games on their heels. There's not like a cold weather mode for this team right now, but they're very comfortable passing the ball twice as often as they run it. Right. All right. Uh, Running back, you mentioned, you you talked a little bit about Connor here. Uh, what, What kind of percentage of carries is he getting now? Any idea? Oh, I think estimates yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I think he got 13 carries. Snell had seven, which uh, some of those came to just ice the game. I think Anthony McFarland had three. And it's really Connor's show because Snell, after that first game we watched on Monday night, where Connor seemed to be, I don't know if he was angry at some of the blocking or he was a little bit dinged up. And Snell came in and just had fresh legs against the Giants in that first game. And it looked like, ooh, could we be seeing some sort of changing of the guard here? And Connor really reasserted himself. And Snell, on the other hand, has had fumbles and is a short yardage back so he did get the touchdown against the Jags but otherwise is really just sprinkled in as a role player and then McFarland they took in the fourth round this year after they took Snell in the fourth round last year and what's interesting as an aside is you know the Steelers offense has been stuck in the past and Randy Finkner the offensive coordinator you know last year I think what happened to this team is a failure that should be placed at his doorstep Mm -hmm. because you have to adapt. You have to do something when you have an inferior quarterback, it's up to your offensive coordinator to try to create something, anything to put them in their comfort zone or to have the offense feel some sense of confidence that they can execute. And they couldn't do that. So they brought in Matt Canada who, uh, you know, among other things, revived the offense for the Pitt Panthers. He actually coached Jalen Samuels who, this is the fourth string running back now at NC State, and he coached McFarland at Maryland. So McFarland was going to be part of this renaissance, and we saw some more of this as the season has gone on, uh, more jet sweeps, more play action, which I know was a bad uh, issue for the Ravens against the Titans yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll see. And the good thing, at least this week against the Jags, the Steelers really played very straightforward offense. So I don't know if the Steelers are going to have something in the bag of tricks, some of the stuff out of that Canada playbook, a part of the playbook. Um, but McFarland was supposed to add this speed. You know, he famously had three touchdowns, three long runs against uh, Ohio State, and he just looks overwhelmed. He he looks like he can't think and run at the same time yet. So he ha- <laughs> yeah, And this is what happens sometimes. Sometimes the game slows down. So he, he hasn't made much of an impact at all. Uh, Jalen Samuels, his amoeba, you know, H-back, tight end, back slot receiver, uh, running back. They haven't really harvested that. It's really just a lot of James Conner. The good news is that Conner has stayed healthy. And, you know, they're uh, using his ability to add some value to runs right now to mask the problems they're having run blocking. All right. 
All right. Now, of course, last time you mentioned two problems. But last last time it was the 01 and 10 personnel, but mostly 01 personnel being too much for the Ravens to handle in terms of what coverage assets they had. They've changed a little bit during the time because Humphrey is back from COVID and they have Tremont Williams, who they've added, played a few snaps. He actually got pressed into number one duty at outside corner briefly against New England. But he's actually uh, back on, uh, you know, would give the Ravens four uh, decent mm-hmm. cornerbacks. So maybe that's maybe running empty out of the shotguns, not the way anymore. You mentioned the Titans very much showed away. Another blueprint to beat the Ravens is to go play action every time the, your quarterback's under center, which they pretty much did on first or second down <laughs> just about every every single time. Very effective, obviously, getting linebackers to bite and, and worse because of Derrick Henry getting the edge setters to bite on the play, which meant that uh, it created lots of ample time and space opportunities outside the pocket for Tannehill. You think that's something that the Steelers might emulate? Maybe try, although I think that you're not as obsessed as a defense with James Conner as mm-hmm. you are with Derrick Henry. You're not going into a game thinking, we can't let Derrick Henry beat us for him to end up winning, beating you in overtime. Anyway, so that, you know, it's a question of whether he, James Conner in this running game, has that kind of gravitational pull because uh it's certainly troubling that the Steelers didn't score any offensive points in the first half and while they were able to make some adjustments in the second half as you said the the one-on-one coverage matchups there isn't that one to exploit and now you're counting on Chase Claypool to make one-on-one plays outside you're counting on Juju Smith-Schuster who's coming in with a toe issue to this game um seemed a little uncomfortable at times it's not going to be a major issue, but something to watch on the practice report, something to watch as the game goes on, because I think Smith-Schuster is that other player that Roethlisberger just trusts, uh, especially on in those drives when nothing else is working. He can trust him to, to find some sort of soft spot. And, uh, you know, it's I, I'm not feeling comfortable at all about the Steelers' ability to move the ball against this defense. Okay. Well, obviously the Ravens have their offensive line problems. Among those, Brandon Williams was added to the COVID reserve list today, not because he has COVID, but because he's a close contact of Mark Ingram, I believe. Ingram and Dobbins were both added to the list. So uh, they had positive tests, actually. So anyway, very positive, very uh, uh, negative development for the Ravens, these positive tests. So uh, we'll see how that impacts the game. I can tell you, each of the last two games, the Ravens defensive line was not up to the task. Uh, I Felt wrong that the Ravens only activate four defensive linemen for a game. You're probably more used to that with the Steelers, that they might do it. Because you guys have some iron men on the line. The Ravens obviously don't have their iron men present without Campbell and and Williams. And I thought they would have gone to five, but they went with four. And and a couple guys were shut out on the stat sheet. They had one pressure generated in 74 pass rush snaps from the defensive interior. So that's not going to get it done. No, well, it's however one advantage not to talk to Ravens back. You know, um, Matt Juden got thrown out. When was it in the first game? Like in the third quarter, second quarter? Yeah. Um. So you know that's something that the Steel notice. You know, a- after he's out, the Steelers are able to move the ball through the air easier. So that could be something. Yeah, I- I'm a neurotic Steelers fan, so I'm always going to focus on how things could go wrong. Yeah, you know, I, I'm the same way. That's exactly the way about it. how can things go wrong. It's like the difference between being a fixed wing pilot and a helicopter pilot, I'm told, too. Helicopter yeah. pilot, you worry about how you're going to crash. And a fixed wing pilot, you just worry about when are we going to get there. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Wonderful stuff. 
Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first 2-in-1 removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Move over the defense a little okay. bit now. So I, I always ask about the most common pass uh, defense look, in, in particular on third down, because I think it's, you know, the high leverage downs are what you really want to focus on. Uh, what do the Steelers show now in terms of their most common uh, dime or nickel or whatever the look is on opposing pass downs? It's What's interesting is it's not really a set because of the interchangeability of these players, right? You know, they can use Mike Hilton as that slot linebacker. Sometimes they'll use him as a deep safety. Uh, Sometimes uh, Terrell Edmonds will be in the box. Sometimes he'll be in the deep safety role. Sometimes Minka Fitzpatrick will be the deep safety. Sometimes he'll be a robber. So I, I think the interchangeability of these defensive backs and Cameron Sutton, who can play inside and outside, uh, you know, the, the personnel package is the same, but they can show different looks uh, and they can certainly disguise what they are doing with these defensive backs. So I think the, the personnel package stays the same, but how they line up can change uh, from play to play or series to series. All right. Uh, in terms of how they set up against 21 or 12 personnel to stop the run, what's their usual formation? They're not really a team that is going to, you know, you're going to see that same front seven again. Now this week with Alu Alu getting moved back in and Mike Hilton, who's also better against the run as a slot corner. Um, I, you know, you're not going to see them go to heavy set. As you mentioned, you, you're not going to see very many plays that aren't featuring uh, Hayward and to and Alu Alu up front. Um, they've really been going without a true nose tackle, so we saw how that really got them stretched out, I think, especially horizontally. And you saw a lot of holes for Edwards and Dobbins in the first game. We'll see if they make some sort of adjustment uh, this game. But I, I don't th- this isn't a, a defense that is going to switch and show a lot of different modes. I, I think that if he finds a, a crack like the Ravens did, especially in the first half, um, it's something that's going to be not something they can change up because they play 15 or 16 or 17 different players on defense in a game. All right. All right. Outstanding. Uh, take me through a little bit about the pass rush scheme in terms yeah. of, of what they what they do to generate pressure that's not standard. Now, when I think of the Steelers, I think yeah. of a zone blitz concept, drop yeah. one from one side of the image, overload the other side. Yeah. And you see that, like, um, I think that on the pick six, you saw Vince Williams coming uh, and I think you saw Lamar Jackson not read Robert Spillane. Uh, oftentimes, they're going to be able to generate enough pressure with Hayward and Tuit and Watt 
and Dupree that they don't really need to do anything exotic, uh, which is a good thing because when the pass rush doesn't get home, somebody's open. The Steelers are, you know, I mean, they're not exactly the, there's envy looking at the quality of the cover corners um, <laughs> of the Ravens. Although Steven Nelson has been playing better. Joe Hayden's a little banged up. He's been playing better. Um, and you st- still see problems at the back end with Edmund sometimes. Uh, so yeah, you will see, uh, you know, you'll see the a gap blitzes from Vince Williams. They like to send him. Um, uh, Roberts Blaine has also had a sack on a blitz. Um, you'll see Mike Hilton coming from the slot. He's one of the best in the league at timing his blitzes, but uh, for the most part, they rely on the front four and just, you know, no team has been better creating pressure this year. Yeah. They are they are outstanding, no doubt about it. I want to ask you about this because the the Steelers have been so fortunate having Spillane jump in at the mic. Um, in in terms of having two inside linebackers who are making a bunch of money, that's something the Steelers probably have been more willing to do than most NFL teams over the years. And I'm thinking back to uh, when Timmons was making a lot sure. of money. Yeah. I, t- Tell me kind of philosophically how you look at that. I know you're a fantasy expert and there's often constraints in terms of how you can spend money. Are are you more uh, in favor of linebacker platooning where you try and get two guys or three guys even to do that job as opposed to having two really top guys who each play each position? I call them three down unicorns. Sure. Gives you a little bit of of my background on it. But go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for the Steelers, you know, you can go back to guys like Kendrell Bell. Um, of course, Ryan Shazier, um, you know, these has, this has always been, or you, you can look at the you know, days of, um, Larry foot. I mean, they've always had inside linebackers, LaVon Kirkland. I mean, I can even go back James to my childhood. Farrier. James Farrier. I can go back to my childhood and remember like Mike Merriweather, um, and really my early, early childhood. Of course, you get back to the good old Steelers, uh, steel curtain days. But yeah, I think that the Steelers have, it's definitely been, the idea of having that player who can do everything. And that's where losing Devin Bush was something that, uh, at, at least at the moment that it happened, was scary because Vince Williams isn't that guy. And Spillane was an unknown. I mean, if you would ask me week one, who goes in if Devin Bush goes down, I would have said Ulysses Gilbert. Uh, mm-hmm. Spillane wasn't really even on our radar, but Gilbert is a six round pick from last year. And I think that the Avery Williamson trade was somewhat just to have depth, but also we'll see in, in, in some ways for the Ravens, it's a heartbreak that the Dobbins isn't going to be able to play on Thursday because where the loss of Devin Bush really hurts is covering running backs out of the backfield as receivers. And uh, I wonder if we might not see a little more of Avery Williamson if the Ravens do to decide to attack that area of the field because between Spillane and uh, uh, Vince Williams, you have a potential weakness there because you don't have that three down unicorn. And Avery Williamson really has just been eased in, played with uh, Dupree back at Kentucky, actually. Um, so will he see the field more or is this another uh, halftime type adjustment, depending on what the game plan is for the Ravens because they don't have that three down linebacker? Has Spillane been wearing the green dot in the in the time yeah. since that Bush? Okay, so yeah, he's, on, from, he's on on every play or not? 
Well, um, he's been playing like 80% of the plays. Um, I, I think in this past game, it might have just been mop-up plays that Avery Williamson was in. But, uh, you know, he's, he's been uh, everything they could have asked and, and everything that they said he was going to be after Bush went down. Basically, he, he is the guy. And the Williamson trade hasn't been a signal that they're not confident in him as the guy going forward. Do, do they have a alternating green dot then with Ulysses or somebody who comes in and t- and takes it on a passing down, or I'm trying to wonder how they call the plays when he's not in there. Yeah, you know, I honestly can't. I I don't have a good answer for that, but I can tell you that um, Spillane like I said there was a lot of anticipation whenever the Avery Williamson trade happened that maybe that role might be split between the two players, and hmm. it hasn't happened yet. Okay, interesting, interesting stuff. Okay, we got some great questions in a mailbag. So I normally I'd okay. ask you who. Let's do, let's go to this first. Who's the player you think matches up best against the Ravens on the Steelers this year? you know for this game i i think that juju smith schuster and that's why i'm a little worried about that toe i think you know he's that player who can be that pressure release valve um because i don't think arthasberger is going to have a lot of time to throw like you mentioned about getting the ball out quickly so i think he's going to be a key player to keep the the chains moving because of his ability to make those clutch third down catches all right i'm going to take you right into the questions then the first one is from minion hunter who by the way not only did he help get us together to do yeah. a show here, which is terrific, but he, but he has a great a bunch of great Steelers questions here. The first was, how do the Steelers seem to constantly get amazing wide receivers in the <laughs> draft? Yeah, and it's funny, too, because you say it was a, a, some sort of wide receiver whisperer um, coach. And actually, um, Ike Hilliard's only been their wide receiver coach for a year, although he's done a great job with um, Chase Claypool and Daryl Drake, their wide receiver coach for a few years, died during training camp last year. They didn't replace him. That was really tragic going into the season. Um, and it's not – and I would have said before this year that they do have a type. And you can look at Santonio Holmes, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, who you know went on to do a lot more with the Steelers uh, – without the Steelers than with the Steelers, uh, Deontay Johnson being the latest – where um, these are players who have who play fast, who are precise route runners, who are good after the catch. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously another one. Um, you know, they're players that maybe don't have uh, jump out of the gym athleticism or four three five speed or wow you with measurables, but they marry what traits they have to skills so that they can be utilized. And you, you mentioned too, the, that ability to stay on the same page with Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. when the play is extended, you know, maybe that's not as important if you play with like Jared Goff, you know, <laughs> you, you know, say, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, so that, I think that's another thing that has, you know, um, uh, football savvy, you know, football IQ guys, but then you have someone like Chase Claypool and I, I never saw this coming with Claypool because I what the thing about Claypool that has been shocking is that the kind of physical advantages that he had over guys when he was at Notre Dame seem to be translating to Sundays, which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always uncomfortable when a, a player wins in college with physical advantages mm-hmm. because those advantages shrink uh, in the NFL. And with Claypool, and some of it I think is just um, an edge that he's playing with, maybe just could be that that's Steelers program, you know, the Steelers way or something. So um, maybe at this point, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy where when these wide receivers get taken with the Steelers and they come into this program and they have all of these guys who have had success, uh, you just, you know, um, you just expect it. 
Yeah, it's I, I I think that might be part of it. It's just the system is is helping produce those great players because we've seen what's happened to Miles Boykin, very similar in terms of being a big, physical, gifted receiver. And the only thing he's really been able to translate to the pro level so far is great blocking skills in the run game. So, uh, you know, that's been kind of a shame for us. Okay, got some more great ones here. And this one, boy, I bet if we exchanged games on this, it would uh-huh. take us about a half hour at least to get through this, even if we went for about a 30-second descri- description of each game. But what is your top Steelers win in the rivalry and your worst Steelers loss? Oh, man. Because hmm. you, you have like 10 of each of these if you're a Ravens fan, I'm sure. <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, and I forgive forgive me, folks, because my brain, I'm, I would I like to say that I'm only 98% sure of anything anymore, like no matter how sure I am of something. Um, but, you know, obviously there was the AFC title game that preceded the, the Super Bowl win over the Cardinals. And it really did feel like whoever won that game was going to win the Super Bowl in the sense that, you know, whichever one of the two teams that could summon up the will to overcome, uh, that they would fear nothing. And, you know what I mean? Like at, at that point, and that was really the era whenever the two teams were near mirror images of each other. Um, and, and it was, it was a, an incredible game. Um, and, and I think that it was, you know, it's one of those things where no matter how good the Ravens and Steelers get, they always owe a debt to the other team. Because I think it's one of those things where when you're constantly measuring up to to beat this team, then it's almost like a relief to face some of the other teams in the NFL because of how physical this right. What, what I always like to say is this game is often just measured by like how many players are hurt for each team. Like if you, you know, win or loss, if you make it out of the game without too many key pieces hurt because of the, just the int- intensity, the level. Um, as far as the, the worst... Hmm. Oh, man, because there's been a lot. Um, I mean, of course, it's because because of the, uh, uh, the the one last year. You know, I wonder. I'll just I'll talk about that one, even though I wouldn't necessarily say it's the worst because um, people, folks might forget. I think the Steelers were going to move into a tie for first place if they had won that game, and it went to overtime. Um, and it was, I think it would have been a game if they had gotten the win that would have emboldened them to say that even without Ben Roethlisberger with this defense, we can find some sort of identity on offense to scrape by. And I think that game last year was the last stand and it's then spiraled into a season that as uh, David DeCastro put it, which is not fun, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just was, it was a, it was a season that was very difficult. Um, so even though it wasn't a game that the Ravens dominated or embarrassed the Steelers, it was one that effectively ended their season like in week four, week five. Okay. And if Ravens fans remember that by the Humphrey punch out, right? That's the mm-hmm. one on, on Juju. And then he, he missed the first one on the touchdown. I, I'll, I'll name two just to play along here. But yeah. I, I was at that 2008 uh, AFC championship game. It was a terrible loss. And it was a bad environment to be in for a loss because everybody else is going crazy around you and that. But, you know, it's something we endure whenever the Ravens make the playoffs. But you know what? That Ravens team overachieved by so much and they were so young and they had Flacco and they, you know, had young Ray Rice as a rookie. We knew the Ravens are going to be good again for a few years with with the it's so I wouldn't put it as the worst. I'd say the 2010 playoff loss to the Steelers is the worst. Uh, you know, they're up 21 seven. They allowed the game to get away and lost 31 24, I think, uh, finished on a long dewdrop of a ball to Webb uh, that uh, Antonio Brown caught I, Antonio Brown at Holmes, I think. 
<laughs> but but anyway, I've blocked out some of that. So that that's probably the worst. Um, the best there, there's obviously a lot to choose from. I I think the 92 yard drive that ended in the touchdown pass to Torrey Smith on Monday Night Football, Monday night, Sunday night, whichever it was, that effectively won the division for the 2011 Ravens is the one I would pick. There's a lot of good ones in there, but uh, but anyway, that, that's those are the two I'd pick for the worst and best. And, you know, we'll see what we have in store for us yeah, <laughs> with the whole world watching. I think like 30 million people are going to be watching that game. Yeah, this, you really can't afford to lose this game to COVID here, obviously. And, and it would be a real shame if they did. I got another real interesting question here is, is Mike Flynn has told the story of the fight in the parking lot between Ray Lewis and Joey Porter. I actually have never heard this story. Do you do you have you heard this story ever from a Steelers fan perspective? No. Um, and and what's interesting too is you know you've got uh, Joey Porter's been shot, Ray Lewis of course, and and the, you know his legal uh, chronicle saga. So it would make sense that these would be the two players that would have it spill over to outside of the field. Yeah, there's certainly there's been some of that. I, I, there's a great deal of respect, obviously, between these teams. There's an iconic photo that that the has been shown around Baltimore a lot, where Peyton Manning came to shake Ray Lewis's hand after the. Um, the final, the, the, the mile high miracle game. Yeah. And they're, they're both in street clothes or whatever. It's an interesting one to want, one to look at. Um, all right. Got, let's see, what else do I have here that fits in here? Um, we'll ask you, what is the Ravens path to victory over the Steelers on offense in this game? Well, I, as I mentioned, you know, this could be one of those things where um, necessity is the mother of invention. And I am still waiting for Justice Hill to be integrated into the Ravens offense in a way that uses his straight line speed. And again, this the, to me, the idea of Justice Hill being isolated with Vince Williams or Robert Spillane on him, that I just see Justice Hill running and running and running. Um I think that the other idea here is uh, the Steelers, when they've been successful with Lamar Jackson, it's really sad, by the way. I'm a, I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan, and it's really sad to see him lose his edge, um, his aggressiveness, and his – it seems like he's reacting to what he's seeing instead of imposing his will on what he's seeing. And I think that they have to go in ready – to make this for Lamar Jackson ready to make quick decisions with the ball or quick decisions on whether to pull the ball down and run. Um, because it seems like outside of structure where he was so dangerous last year, um, his, his radio is just picking up static and it's not, they're not making those kinds of plays. So I think that the idea is really not letting it get to that part of the of the play where bad things can happen as we saw the the turnovers in the first matchup uh and then on the other side you know again i i think that without those turnovers um the steelers probably aren't in the game so you know i, I guess limiting those turnovers from lamar jackson and uh on defense just playing it basically the same uh because the steelers running game i don't think is going to threaten them and as long as with one-on-one -on -one coverage, if they don't lose anything too badly, uh, I don't think anything's going to come easy for the Steelers. Okay. Not, not sure I completely agree about how hard it's going to be, how easy it's going to be for the Ravens to stop the Steelers' run game after watching these last two games. The Ravens yeah. certainly have not gotten it done. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Missing we'll, Calais, yeah. 
Yeah, missing class, missing Brandon Williams, who's really the the hard soul of that run defense. All right, well, that's terrific. I, I, thank you so much for coming yeah. on, Sigmund. I think this has been a great show. I really, really appreciate you doing this. We'd love to have you on again next year if you do it. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is a great tradition, just like this rivalry is a great tradition and it represents a lot of the best of the NFL. Yeah, Alex Kazora is the other guy I normally have on, but same kind of tremendous respect for the rivalry. I really appreciate that, and, and uh, it's always great to hear that. I think Ravens and Steelers fans – At the very least, we want to agree that this is the best rivalry in all of sports. Some people might say there's other things, but one of the really good ones. Well, it's one of the really good ones because I think that really and truly it's a cliche, but the players leave it all all out on the field every time these teams get together. And I I think because of that, again, it it opens up the teams to, to greater outcomes than if they didn't have to go through that intense game twice a year. There you go. You want to be measured up against the best during the season, and then and then in the postseason, you don't have a lot of those questions come up. Sigmund, let's talk a little bit about your site, where yeah. folks can find your work, and your Twitter handle. Yeah, I'm at Sigmund Bloom, and just I'm trying to field and keep everyone informed of whatever fantasy. I think about this stuff and obsess about it uh, so that you don't have to. And I guess footballguys.com is just a, a site for, again, like if you're thinking about football when you wake up and when you fall asleep, uh, we cover, we have a staff of 50, 60 people who cover every angle of fantasy football. And uh, it's just because it's something we like doing. We like collaborating. We like talk. It's just like the show, you know, it's stimulating and it's come a long way. Our football media world going back to like, um, Steve Sable and the matchup where it was like, why do people want to think, why won't someone want to think about football? And there's a lot of us who think <laughs> about football. In fact, so much of the coverage of football revolves around an, an intellectual uh, thinking approach to the game. And we certainly do that for fantasy football. It's all the same thing. It's just layers. You know, the fantasy football layer still leads to just enjoying the football, understanding what you're seeing uh, and, and really all the richness that comes Whenever you know the backstories of the players, you know the backstories of the coaches, the backstories of the franchises and, and the schemes and exactly what you're watching uh, becomes so much more meaningful whenever you're that engaged in it. All right. Outstanding. I uh, want to tell, direct people to filmstudybaltimore.com. That's where you'll find my work. The defensive article is up. It's a... There's a lot of negative stuff out there, but just try and work through it if you can in terms of the plays that lost the game against the Titans. And I'm trying to find common threads in that along with all the normal stuff you're used to, how many times the Ravens played each package and what the pass rush looked like in terms of deception and whatnot. That's all out there right now. Offensive line article is coming. A lot of people are interested in that because of Ben Powers and a lot of the other movement on the offensive line. want to see if Will Holden is somehow going to be savior at right tackle. Uh, we'll, we'll be getting all into that. That'll be out on Wednesday. Sigmund, thanks again for joining us. Outstanding show. So, so appreciate that. Would love to have you on again, my friend. Can't wait. Appreciate the opportunity. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. 
Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.